This, 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 this is mythical. Ramble. Apartments.com has more rental listings than anywhere else. So finding the perfect place is easier than ever and so is finally moving in together, just the two of you. It's a big step. Lots of new responsibilities, lots of adjustments. Most likely, they'll wake you up at odd hours to go to the bathroom. And you'll most definitely find yourself in trouble coming home late for dinner. They may even unroll all your toilet paper next time. It's just what happens when you two find a new place together. But you're not doing it because you feel like it. No, you're doing it because you love them, because they're family. And that's why Apartments.com has more pet-friendly rental listings on the internet. Did you know that's what we were talking about? Yes. Pets? so that you and your furry family can find the perfect new place together. Apartments.com, the place to find a pet-friendly place. Welcome to Ear Biscuits, the podcast where two lifelong friends talk about life for a long time. I'm Rhett. And I'm Link. This week on the round table of dim lighting. Or at. I said on it. Well, I mean. We're on the round table yeah, this I'm, week. I'm touching it right now. Well, we're, I mean, as you're listening to this, we're on vacation. Yeah. So that's why we're giving you this throwback episode. Listen back, or maybe for the first time, to episode 186. This is a question that we get very, very often. Yeah. Uh, are we our true selves on screen? Is there a difference between the Rhett and Link that you know and the Rhett and Link that Rhett and Link's friends and family know, and like, what are the differences? And my if any? my kids, like, there's definitely the the insightful conversation that I have with Lando, uh, and with Lily actually about um, <laughs> me suspending my intelligence. This is this is the episode that that came from, which you'd never do at home. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Find out what his kids think about All that. All right, what's it like when we are off? On off the cameras, and while this particular uh, podcast may be a little bit off right now, and you're listening to a throwback episode, the podcast that is on right now is Dispatches from Myrtle Beach, the podcast that Link has with his dad Charles. So check it out; it comes out every Thursday. There's some fresh episodes for you. It'll make you happy. In the meantime, please enjoy the 186th episode of Ear Biscuits. Are we our true selves? On screen <laughs> is the Rhett and Link that you're seeing and hearing right or now. hearing right now. Hmm. The real Rhett and Link or some creation designed for your entertainment. Much less on GMM or like any other screen that you may see us on. Um, yeah, I think I think it's gonna, it's gonna be some psychoanalysis going on here perhaps. I've got some juicy questions for the two of us to get into. Um, I, and this conversation is inspired by a video that we made where we were asking each other questions recently. We'll get into the details later, but I'm not gonna say we had a disagreement afterward, but we had a, there are, there's a few times where we'll do a video or do have a conversation on camera and then off camera we'll talk about it and I just thought that that conversation that we that we didn't monetize, we should monetize. It's basically. Oh, the off-camera The off-camera analysis of the on-camera conversation has led to this conversation. I'll give all the, the background when we get to it, but um, let, let's, let's start, let's start in, a, in a lighter place, anywhere you wanna go, I don't know. Um, I, so, I Not was, that that's gonna be heavy. But. Uh, I got a text from my friend Ralph, um, 
who Good old I, Ralph. I told the story of our skiing misadventures and how he had led me to the top of the mountain and uh, then I had Left you for dead Trouble basically. getting down, I don't know, just listen to whatever episode that was, one of the recent ones. And um, it was funny because, uh, well and just as a sidebar, you can say what? Oh yeah. What Blondine I had saw, to say. I was telling Rhett, I saw Blondine who was my Spartan race partner for the first time since the race this morning because we go to the gym at different times and we're not training for a Spartan race anymore. And uh, Christy had shared the podcast with her and so she said, I, I will never hear my name the same again <laughs> after your friend kept saying it. And I was like. Blondine. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> and I ruined her own name and for And another her. guy was there and I was like, he was listening I was like, yeah, it was like when Rhett heard that her name was Blondine, he like made me feel weird about <laughs> Saying any, oh, Blondine. Well, it's just, it's li literally my favorite name I've ever heard. <laughs> I don't have a bra, I love it. But anyway, and then Ralph uh, texts me. She she enjoyed the podcast, by the way. Sharing, sharing your biscuits with her well, that is friends the, and family. That is the interesting thing. We, we talk about people so that we can increase our listenership. Uh, okay, that's that's one way one, to, to say one it. One person at a time, one victim at but a time. But there is this interesting dynamic of when someone is talked about, okay, as another example of this, is we recently told the story of the pooping in the Tupperware. Oh, oh yeah. And then our <laughs> our boys who were present for that right. started a text thread and they're like, oh, here we go again. Every time you guys tell this story, we have to like relive it and also tell you guys all the details that you get wrong. Yeah, and, and the ones that you're getting right that you used to get wrong and the ones that you got right that now you're getting wrong. It's it, like, which is just the psychological concept of revisiting a memory and rewriting it every time. It's just the way humans work. But they did clarify one thing that I'll clarify now and that is that Greg wasn't even there. How did he get there? I think we've there? always said that Greg was there. I don't, I don't, and somehow I don't, I don't even know. Greg wasn't there. So sorry Greg for being thrown under the bus all these years and pooping in that Tupperware that you didn't poop in. <laughs> <laughs> but as is the case with Ralph, when he texted me, he was just laughing about how he listened to the thing and he, he texted uh, in quotes, Ralph with an exclamation point because there's the moment in the story where I yell out his name. Yeah. And then his son had taken <laughs> that moment and cut it into this just basically. He made a supercut of Ralph's? It was just me saying, Ralph, Ralph. Ralph! Video so or just the audio? Video, video. Oh yeah, nice. And so Ralph sent that to me. So every time we talk about somebody, there is, they, if they listen, then you have to kind of deal with whatever they think and the supercuts of you saying their name. Yeah, our, our, our friendship matrix is crumbling, I think is another way to put it. Which uh, leads me to the story that I wanna tell you because uh, Ralph, Ralph! Did, did also text me, said, what about the waiter story? I was like, oh crap. You didn't, tell, you didn't tell the waiter story. I didn't tell anything about the waiter. We, okay, so we were in Mammoth, like I said, and uh, we had been to Mammoth with this exact same family before, the, the, the year before, Ralph, his wife, and kids. And um, so last year we went to, well, I'm trying to think of the best way to tell this story. Okay, so that's I'll, something you I, could do before we do a podcast. No, I like to that's just fine. pull hey, it out of my butt as I go. That's fine, yeah. yeah. So I'm trying. To, there's two parts to it, and I, and I don't know which part's better, but I think it's better to start with part two and then tell you how it relates to part. You one. know what? Just do it, and then Ralph's son will we'll edit, edit it, it in the best way later and send it to his dad. So here's what. So we're eating at this restaurant, relatively new restaurant in Mammoth, 
and we're all sitting, I mean, it's a big group. Uh, there's four of us in our family, there's five of them, that makes nine. And so we're all sitting at this table and you know the situation where uh, you're in the middle of a conversation and a waiter approaches the table and they're kind of hovering. There's a little bit of a power play that happens and some waiters are better at managing this situation than others and there's also people, uh, interestingly, I think this might even play into our conversations of who's, uh, what we're like in real life. As an example, if you're in the middle of saying something in real life and a waiter comes up, chances that you stop for the waiter are pretty small. If I'm telling something and a waiter comes up, chances are pretty high that I'm going to stop. That's just, that's a little, that's, you may think that's the opposite of the way it would be, but in real life that's actually, it might be because you don't notice, but you're also one to be like, I'm gonna get this thought out and then there'll be a break and this this guy can can say. But so, somebody else was talking and didn't see this waiter standing there and he stood there and he just started going, Ew. Like making a mouth noise. Is he chewing something? Was like, this is his warning system. It was awkward. And eventually, the conversation came to a close and he stood there, made one last mouth smacking noise, and then paused. It was weird and uncomfortable. And then said, hello folks, how are you today? And then proceeded to do the normal waiter things, but in a way that his energy made me feel and everyone else feel uncomfortable. It was just like. It was an animosity? No, no, it was not an animosity at all. It was just a weirdness. It was a social okay. weirdness that just made us feel strange. And like, well, just pausing at certain times and then like staying in one place and then not leaving early enough after you're like, you finish a sentence. It was like, everything was a little bit off time in a way that just makes you feel uncomfortable and uneasy. So he has this interaction with us and then he leaves and everybody's kinda like, that was kinda weird. And then I was like, hold on a second. And I'm gonna change his name because I because I legitimately don't want this guy to listen to this podcast. Call him Justin. Justin. What if his name was Justin and I suggested it and you were like, it wasn't. Uh, let's not call him Justin. <laughs> um, I was like, our waiter's name is Justin. What? Okay. You just said, what the waiter's name, you knew the waiter's real name which isn't Justin and, I and said, you said it. Last year at a different restaurant, we had this exact same experience and exact same conversation. Did they remember it And everybody point? started being like, oh you're right, that is the same guy, the same haircut and the yeah. mustache and like it's the same guy, it's Justin. And he proceeds to do exactly the same thing that he did the first time which we got such a kick out of it the first time around. Like this guy was so awkward in the in the way he would pause and the way he would sit at your table, stay at your table, and then, like, imagine just you're taking somebody's order, and then, as you get done, you're like, "Is there anything else you need?" And you're like, "Nope." And then he's just like, "It's like a robot he waits downloading like four seconds his and, next and line." Makes you feel weird. Like, what is going on? And then he did it again. His technique. New restaurant. Same technique, and um, you think he got fired from the other place for his pauses and whatnot? No, because first of all, I was like, he came back and I was like, Justin, right? He was like, yeah. I was like, I remember you, were, you your weird waitering. From I said last year you were our waiter last year at blah 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 restaurant in Mammoth, and he said, 
Oh uh, yeah, I don't miss that place. <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, I don't know what happened. I'm not gonna ask any questions, but uh, I, it was just, it was a, <laughs> it was just one of those moments that like this guy left this. He didn't remember Indelible you. mark on us and then he did it again and we realized deja vu way it was happening at the same time and they were like, no, it's just the same guy happening well, at a different restaurant. And what's This the, is what he does. And the moral of the story, no, there doesn't have to be a moral, but here's the freaky thing. It reminds me of a story I didn't tell you, but from Cabo, which is very short and it's not short and it's not much you of a story. You had a weird waiter? Well, you know, as I explained, I went back to the same, res we went back to the same resort that we had gone to like a couple of years. Actually, it may have been three years early, the more I thought about it, okay? And they had, there's a restaurant at um, the Cape, and the first night we were there, both times we made a reservation here because this is really nice. It's a really good restaurant. And we went there and we sat, they were gonna seat us and I was like, can you seat us outside? Because I'm thinking, it was great. It's what we did last time. We go, we sit outside and then all of a sudden, the waiter comes up and he's like asking us have we been here? We're like, yes and we like, you know, we get our waters. He goes away and I'm like, Christy, that is the same waiter from three years ago, same guy. And then he comes back up and we're like, we're looking at him and before we say anything, he was like, you've been here before. <laughs> and he remembered us, but he wasn't weird at all. He had just gained some weight, so he looked different. I'm gonna keep this going because your story reminds me of another small story from my recent trip to Cabo. What? <laughs> yes. What? Can we do, hey, this is a whole new way to do a whole podcast. <laughs> That reminds me of is, a story that's not that great that I'm gonna tell. No, this one's good. Okay. But if it, I mean, before you tell it, I would just say that like, we felt a special connection with this guy. Like our first night in Cabo, our first time, it was like, it kind of made the evening that like, it, oh and he said, I remember you cause it was my first day. What? Of working here. Even better. And like, so we were special to him, he was special to us. The food was special, was the like, whole thing was special. And this is my last day. Uh, no, that didn't happen? No, we were like, when do you, when do you, uh, when are you off the clock? You wanna and hang? We, we invited him up to our room. We all got in the bathtub together. Oh, cool. It was very special. I don't know why I didn't mention it before. Yeah, right. Uh, uh, very special. Okay, we'll skip that last part. Uh, so, full service there at, at the resort. Ooh. I go to a, uh, I go to a restaurant at the resort on the first night, and it's the restaurant at, you know, like the main restaurant. And we get this waiter, and I mean, he's a good waiter. N nothing, he's not weird, nothing particularly notable, notable about him. But we order, you know, two, like each order a cocktail, then we order two appetizers, and then we each order an entree, then we order two desserts, okay? This is a pretty complex order. We stay at the resort for three days. The last night, we go back to the restaurant, and we get the same waiter. He says, oh, you're back. Like, yeah, I mean, this is the resort at the, this is the restaurant at the resort. Okay. Yeah, full circle. And then uh, he's- We're kinda trapped here. He said, um, I, uh, how's your stay or whatever? He was like, I can tell you what you ordered the other night. And he went through every single item and was right. And you were like, I'll take none of that because I've already had it. And I said, well, we wanna get completely different things this time. <laughs> Hold on, but hold on, but there's like, a through line with all these stories. It's like, but that's it's, interesting. It's, is it, it is not? interesting when it's happening, but then when you retell it, I'm just gonna be honest. <laughs> like the more I thought about it. No, no, you no. Went, you went to a place in Mammoth, you were served by a waiter, you went to another place, he moved restaurants. I went to a place three years later, 
It's not unheard of that a waiter would still be working at a place three years later. And it's not unheard of a few days later uh, that even no, a, 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 a the big whole, order. No. He would remember, did you, did you make him go through it? Yes, he okay. said, no, it, I think it's a party trick. He was like, I can tell you what you had and he went through everything, cocktails. Well, so, maybe that's the no, m more impressive of on. the three stories. It's one thing to be one of those waiters who remembers your order and doesn't write it down, which always makes me nervous, by the way. But this guy remembered the order from three days before. He's got multiple customers a night. Yeah. That's crazy. That That's, that, well, that's, he should be like on a math team. That's pretty impressive. Like a memory team, he shouldn't be a waiter. That justifies the rabbit trail we've just gone down. I'll say that. Okay, uh, we are gonna not, we're not gonna talk about waiters anymore. Uh, but hold on, I just remembered. <laughs> we did experience another waiter that remembered us one time when we went somewhere. Remember he remembered us. Were we with Stevie? We were like traveling and it, we were freaking out. Well, so the way, the way we're gonna end when this When a waiter is, remembers you. This is a fourth story it, that it doesn't, you out. doesn't really and amount to anything. But then when you tell it, it's kinda like. Whoa. I think all our stories all were right, great cool, until that cool. last one. It's, it's a you had to be there kind of thing. Um, That's okay. a great podcast. We're I'm gonna tell you stories that you'd really have to be there to appreciate. Ear Biscuits is supported by Live Nation. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, yeah. Alanis Morissette, okay. Cage the Elephant. Why not? Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma? Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long for just $25 each. Visit livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. Okay, so here's how I want to set this up. Um, if you don't know, we got this thing called the Mythical Society. It is a secret society. MythicalSociety.com, check it out. Um, we're doing vlogs over there, one a month, exclusive, uh, where we're talking directly to the society members, but um, one of the things that we did was we got questions, suggestions for questions submitted that we would ask each other. And one of those questions um, that was asked for you to ask me just led to an I haven't watched the vlog back. I mean, you can watch it yourself, but, and we'll unpack it a little bit, but it kinda led to a conversation that led to a post conversation, meaning a second conversation off camera after that conversation. Mm -hmm. Where we, you know, I just thought there were, there were some emotions that bubbled to the surface uh, that I just thought it would be interesting for us to talk about. So here, here was the question. They asked Rhett, Rhett, can you ask Link to, can you ask Cotton Candy Randy to be nicer to Link? Right. And that was the question that, hold on, that you asked me, right? I, I, no, well, no, I asked you that, I asked you that question. And then you started to answer it and then I was like, and you were like, what do you think about it? I think that's how it went. Well, regardless, right. I can't remember who asked who the question, but it was a fan wanted Cotton Candy Randy to be nicer to Link, and we do, I don't know whether that if that person was just asking a joke question or if they were serious, but um, I don't. So that specific person, I don't know, don't know what they were going for. But for me, that made me think about the fact that 
I do see, first of all, we already know that like the Cotton Candy Randy is very polarizing. Because he's a, he's a negative energy, there's just some people who aren't into that and yeah. so uh, there's a lot of people who don't like him and then there's people who really, really like him. In fact, there are lots of people who, of all the things that we've ever done comedically in the world of Good Mythical Morning, Cotton Candy Randy is their favorite thing because it's the most subversive thing that, well, one of the most subversive things that we've done and it kinda goes against type that we've established on GMM in a lot of ways. So a lot of people just, that's their thing and they really like it. Yeah, he's a twisted and demented character whose uh, head and facial hair is made out of cotton candy and uh, when kids eat too much candy, he's gonna show up and whisper sweet nothings in their ear, meaning he is going to terrorize them throughout their uh, sleep cycle. And he- so He's like an anti-tooth fairy. And he, one notable thing about him is he really dislikes you. Like yeah. the bit He is, really likes you. Is that he, well, he likes to whisper things to me and I, regardless of how demented they are, always you, seem to enjoy it, you right? You really enjoy it, And yeah. then you, he always says very mean things to you and apparently right. he wants you dead. I mean that's, yeah. I think that's a, that's Cotton Candy Randy in a nutshell. And I thought this was an opportunity, like what I was doing at the time is I was like, you know, this is inside conversation Mythical society, that's one of the things it's about is like let's have a conversation that we wouldn't necessarily have elsewhere. It's probably on Ear Biscuits maybe, but mm -hmm. anyway. So I said, what I was trying to do is I was trying to set you up so that you could say what I want to hear because you know me, I'm the, I, I of course love Cotton Candy Randy. I like subversive things. Uh, I, that kind of comedy really appeals to me and I get legitimately annoyed with people who have a problem with him. Now, I don't expect, there's nothing wrong with you if you don't like him and I don't, and comedy is incredibly polarizing and I don't expect everybody to like him and in fact, one of the reasons I do like him is because I know that people don't like him. That's how my brain works. But there may be something, that, so there's nothing wrong with respecting someone else's comedic opinion of Cotton Candy Randy but there may be something wrong and we'll, there may be another thing that you're taking issue with, which is a misunderstanding of what's going on. The thing that you did was yeah. you you asked me the question. You kind of threw the ball to me. You were like, "Um, so what? What would you say to that, Link? Do you like? Do you think that's a good idea, or whatever?" And I was like, "Well, I think that would be silly to ask Cotton Candy Randy to be nice to me because Cotton Candy Randy is a character." But, right, and the reason why we didn't we interpreted that way that someone was asking it sincerely is because there are a lot of seemingly sincere comments online. I think you see them a lot more than I do because they maybe I don't know why if you're looking for them or if they at you but not me or something or maybe I just don't read them. But because another way to interpret it was it would be a funny bit if you asked Cotton Candy Randy to be nice to Link, which may that may be a good choice. That may be a good suggestion, but I'm pretty sure that's not what was behind the question. And what it kind of led to for me was, um, okay, obviously there is a certain dynamic between the two of us and we kind of, and this is why that we're having this conversation because it plays into the greater question that we're asking today, which is are we our true selves on camera? There's a, in the comedic duo of who we are, there is a certain dynamic uh, where you kind of play this role where you are, if we're gonna do a bit that's on brand or on, according to type, yeah, then on if, type. If, if the show is doing a prank, 
it's probably gonna be done on you, right? Like if we're gonna um, have a pill that makes you lose the ability to taste spicy foods like we did that one episode, well, it's probably gonna be the most true to type if I'm in the know and you don't know and we're playing the prank on you, right? And so th that's just, now first, obviously we can do it the opposite way and it goes against type and it's funny for a different reason. Uh, but also, if we have a character like Cotton Candy Randy, and this wasn't a discussion, nobody ever discussed this, like Jordan invented Cotton Candy Randy yeah, we uh, never said like he's gonna like how like he was Rhett, gonna act. He's gonna hate Link. But as he entered into the dynamic of Rhett and Link, his natural sort of comedic inclination was that wouldn't it be funny if I just hated Link and whispered weird things to Rhett? And so there's enough of that kind of thing that has happened over the years that there is a segment of the mythical beasts who are like, why you gotta be picking on Link? Why do? You, why is Link the butt of so many jokes? Right. And so what I was asking you to do as from a, from a comedy standpoint yes. is to basically say, hey guys, that's, that's part of our comedy and you shouldn't feel sorry for me. Right, so right. Uh, as a side note, I think that the, um, the spicy pill prank that was played on me was a bad example and we should come back to it. So let's okay. cut, let's not forget to come back to that because I think that that's that doesn't work, but it will you know it's a good analysis. Doesn't work in this context. It doesn't prove your point okay. once we get it once we analyze it later. Okay. But the cotton candy or anything, there's a guy. I mean, it's obviously Jordan or if you don't know Jordan, somebody <laughs> who's <laughs> it's not a dude. It's it's a it's a fake beard made out of cotton candy. It is a character. Yeah, he's not a real. person. So we have, we've entered this mode. Um, where it's 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 not scripted it's totally improv but it's we're not being ourselves we're just playing we're we're playing things for comedic effect entirely so but i but the thing that i found interesting was um even though i gave the right answer it wasn't it was it was a little bit different than what you were looking for and that's fine but i think it's fascinating so that's the only reason i want to talk about it um cuz i said my answer was well if you ask Cotton Candy Randy to be nice to me, I think I think that's a silly request because obviously the comedy is in, and this is me talking then, the comedy is in him being mean to me. That's just, it's funny. And me acting as if my feelings are hurt is, is part of the comedy too, like that sells it, right? So, and I'm, and I'm like, I wanted to give everyone the benefit of the doubt, I didn't wanna, you know, it doesn't get to me as much as it does to you, so then at that point, I didn't tap into any frustration. I was just like, I wanna give them the benefit of the doubt and say, now, I don't have to tell you that he's a character and that we just made that choice, but I do think there's people out there who are issuing complaints and who yeah. think that. But, um, you know, and then you went into this bit about, well, but do you do you like the sympathy? You know, I think what was behind that is you're, you get, you get more frustrated than I do, and I re I respect that, that because it's like, well, maybe you should articulate it. Well, well I think what about it frustrates you? Because I think it's a valid frustration. Well, I mean, I think there's a lot of things that fall under this umbrella. It's, you know, somebody not getting the joke always right. always frustrates me. Um, somebody saying. Again, this is this is a. I think when you become 
When you don't get the joke, it's kinda like, oh, I'm a comedian and it didn't work. But then when the byproduct is, you're the bad guy. It's yeah. kinda frustrating when people like, I mean, pe- our, the Mythical Beasts aren't that rude, yeah. but they I mean, feel like I, they need to take up for me and they direct they right. directed it at you. I feel like, the and again, I'm, I'm probably generalizing, right? And I know, I'm not, th- I, even though we know a lot of Mythical Beasts like by name and like by Twitter handle and that kind of thing, like I don't, no indiv- individuals come to mind, so it's not like I have any grudges against anybody. But there, it seems to me, in my mind, what I've constructed in my mind is that there's a certain uh, fan who's, what they like about us is just what they perceive as the genuine retin link. But when it comes to our comedy, that we're tr- actually like when we're trying to be comedians, right, and making comedic choices, like thoughtful comedic choices that are more of an artistic approach, they're kind of like, I don't like that. Like they don't like our local commercials. Like there's a whole segment of people. In fact, one of the reasons we stopped making our local commercials is because we just couldn't deal with so many people misunderstanding what we were trying to do comedically. Interestingly, right. when we when we hang out with um, like legitimate comedians, like professional comedians, the really a lot of times the only point of reference they have from us is our local commercials. And right. so, in our minds, from a comedic standpoint, is those local commercials that we made. That's a craft. It's the f- potentially the best work we've ever done. But there's a not an insignificant percentage of mythical beasts who are like, that's the stupidest thing that you guys have ever done. And so yep. that I. I I don't. I can't come up with an analogy, but it's almost just like if if you consider yourself to be an artist, and you're like, my best work is this thing, and then this thing that I kind of do incidentally, that's the thing that you're all connecting with, and you're not connecting with this thing that I actually was really really thoughtful and like I, is my best effort. And then I think it carries over to, again, I think it's this taking us so seriously as people that it's just like. Well, sometimes the bit between us as a duo is that my character is going to make fun of you and say mean things, uh, or some other character in our universe, like Cotton Candy Randy, is going to say mean things, and then and then I get tweets and I see comments about why is it got to be so mean to Link, and I'm like, guys, it's a freaking joke. And I think here and, on the and that just frustrates me. Yeah, I I don't you know. I think you can anticipate that Ear Biscuits is a much more real version of who we are, so I'm not holding anything that you don't already know. So in this environment, I, I, I think that I definitely make fun of you a lot more here in the, like, the real you than I do on the show. Because, and, yeah. and, but, there's, and, but we both know that there's comedy in that here because we're not just totally talking, we're making fun of each other because it's, it's funny. But in the context of GMM, so much of the strength of the show rides on the impromptu honesty of the moments. Like there's so many things that happen that by design we don't know. I think we've talked about this before. But there are times when we go into comedy bits and there's, and that balance shifts from moment to moment. Like uh, there are entire episodes that are planned like, um, like when you go into a conspiracy thing about how Finland doesn't exist. Okay, bombshell, can you please come clean about what you think about Finland? You mean the country that doesn't exist? 
he has a choice to make here. Do you really believe it? Yeah, and can and you say it again? I think that mo- I think that most people probably like. I would say that ninety. There's definitely one percent of the people watching who think that I legitimately believe the conspiracy theories. And there's nothing Just I'm ever gonna it. be able to you do. You don't believe what? Uh, I believe that Finland is a real country. Oh, he did it. That was a big milestone. Yeah. No, it's not because. And you kind of know you've suspended your disbelief, and we're going into this bit, and we like to do it. Does it get the most views? No, but it's a comedic choice. And, you I, know, and I'm a, actually making it's more craft work. And I'm actually uh, like the band. I'm actually very uh, unlikely to believe conspiracy theories in real life. Yeah, you're making fun. You're, you're like, yeah. I, I'm an extreme. You probably should have changed your name. And I'm an extreme skeptic, right? And so. Uh, I actually find conspiracy theorists to be funny. Like I find them funny. Well, I mean, and, and so in terms I, of, I think that they're. And, and but in terms of a mode, you look at the Colbert Report, not the show now, but and it's, the transition is fascinating because like that was that was brilliant. That's I mean, there's a reason why I think it won Emmys or should have, and he and he did because it was absolutely brilliant what he did. Right, and it but, worked on it worked on a number of levels. But, how, so we how aspire many, to things like that. What is the Venn diagram of the people who don't like Cotton Candy Randy, who also don't like Stephen Colbert? I would say there is a very high crossover. That, that, I know, so I think what so, you're getting at is, I think the frustration is that there are there's people in our, in our GMM audience who they, and I think I understand why, they're like that, they wanna take everything at face value because they we present it that way. I'm, you know, I think that the reason why I wanted to have this conversation is if if some of those people are listening or watching that we can kind of educate where we're coming from to free them up to enjoy more of the entire breadth of what GMM is and also to kind of alleviate your frustration a little bit. I think that's kind of my my ulterior motive in this thing. Ear Biscuits is supported by Superfeet. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain? Well, guess what? Your feet don't have to hurt. When you add the signature orthotic shape of Superfeet insoles to your shoes, you give your feet comfort and support where they need it most, helping redistribute forces to reduce stress and strain on your entire body, not just your feet. Superfeet insoles are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. Since 1977, Superfeet has helped millions of people worldwide experience the life-changing magic of comfy, pain-free feet. Superfeet insoles upgrade the fit, feel, and function of your footwear to help you feel your best. The signature orthotic shape of Superfeet gives your feet the right type of support where you need it most. Physicians not only recommend Superfeet to their patients, they wear Superfeet insoles in their own shoes. Superfeet is the number one doctor worn and recommended insole. Superfeet has thousands of five-star reviews and is the insole of choice for top athletes on the field, on the ice, and on the slopes and everywhere in between. Superfeet has a wide range of insoles for every activity, every shoe, and every foot. From cushioned and flexible to firm and supportive, you can dial in your fit by taking their quick online quiz. We took the quiz, we've got our, mm-hmm. our insoles coming, they're on their way. You just answer a few short questions and Superfeet will recommend the best insole choice for you. Visit superfeet.com and enter the promo code EAR at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. There's also this complaint, uh, complaint about the show being scripted, which again is a different thing. 
but I think it's related a little bit. And I again we we go out of we go in and out of scripted moments. We we shouldn't have to I think people are so attached to the impromptu honesty of the show that if there's anything that's planned like I can tell that they had thought about that joke ahead of time. It's like, well, we could be better at delivering some jokes sometimes, but in the top of the show, we plan out what we're going to say so that we can get into it quicker so we can just be more succinct. The, you know, they're just different modes in the show that I think I think it's an opportunity to make it more fun to say, okay, I don't know exactly what the I can you can, you know, it's all about sensing what mode we're working in and then saying, you know, they can, sometimes it kind of it's blurry and it kind of shifts and I think that's a fun aspect of the show. So I get frustrated when people um criticize when we're not just acting in the 100% impromptu mode, you know, the entire 100% uh, unplanned mode. I won't say honest, I'll say unplanned because I do think there's a difference. Right, and I and I probably um, personally um, receive the brunt of that, of that complaint more simply because we did like fact-based games on GMM. We did it back and forth for a really long time. But those of you who've sort of observed the patterns of GMM probably learned that, okay, if we're gonna play a fact-based game, I host it and you play it. That's just what we've, that's right. what we've arrived at. Right. And it's because we each fit those roles better than the other, right? And so it's like you not having any clue as to what I'm going to ask and what you're gonna say sets you up to say really funny things. Funnier things than I would be saying if I was just set, just thinking of things off the top of my head. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm pretty good at saying jokes that I've thought about ahead of time. Um, so yeah, and I, I think that, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's, I definitely, I don't sit a lot of t- sit around thinking about this a lot, but there is this sort of underlying thing that I just kind of understand that there is some percentage, and I don't know what it is, of people who kind of perceive it, perceive the show in that way, and then a lot of that is kind of focused at me because I'm the one that's the source of those things. I might be the source of more of the like scripted jokes. I might be uh, a source of more of the negative, like the negative energy when it comes to uh, the humor, mm-hmm. and so people who are like, I don't like that, I don't like anything that's negative, I don't like anything that's scripted, it's just like, okay, well, I don't like what Rep brings to the show. So I think that when I talk about those things, I end up kind of, that's where the frustration comes from. Um, and you know, I think that we have such a, a wide range in age that watches the show, there's a, there's a level of maturity required to start to parse the different modes that we work in and get to the point that I'm asking for, which is that it becomes something that you appreciate and enjoy. You know, the question mark of, did that just happen? You know, I, I do think that's, you know, there's certain things like when we're blindfolded or when we're playing a game and we're not supposed to know stuff, I'll just go on record and say that we don't, we don't cheat. I know Stevie cheated that one time as a joke on us and you played the joke on me with the, uh, with the pill, which again, I'll get back to later, but uh, we don't, we don't cheat and uh, when it comes to games and things like that. Think, yeah, things where the idea is that we're not in on, we're not in on it, 
we're that, then we're not in on it, like on purpose. Like we keep things from ourselves so that we can have authentic reactions to the things that we need to. But I wanna tell you a story of a conversation I had with Lando, which helped me, I just came to a realization about how he perceived me, how he perceived the show, and then I ended up talking to Lily and Christy about it. Um, I was, I invited him on the show to kick me in the balls when we were doing the uh, testing the jock straps because the plan was you were gonna get Shep to kick you in the balls, Lana was gonna kick me. And if you watch that episode, Shep ended up kicking both of us in the balls because as I explained, Lando said he didn't wanna do it. Um, and then in Good Mythical More, he did come on and he, he said a little bit more about it. But that that night, um, I was tucking him in bed and like, I got in bed with him and I was just like hanging out beside him and like so we could have more of a conversation. Uh, it was it's one of those things where it's like, it's not your bedtime yet but go ahead and get ready for bed that way it's not because I wanna go to bed earlier too. So we had a few minutes to have a longer conversation than normal. Um, and we were laying there and he said, uh, do you still hurt from getting hit this morning? <laughs> meaning when Shepard hit me in the balls. Now, I mean, he, he kicked me in the balls. I don't even know if all the times he kicked me in the balls made the edit. Cause he, he would kind of, we had to cut out the times when he would kind of miss, but like he gave me two direct hits. Mm -hmm. And I like crumple over on the ground and I'm like, I mean, I gave anything on America's Funniest Home Videos a run for their money. Because it was a direct hit. My crotch is lower to the ground than yours. I don't think he took that into account. What are you trying to say? You're taller than me, <laughs> and I'm I'm more of a man than you. Oh, that's what my, you're saying. My crotch hangs lower. Okay. <laughs> um, it was all crumpled up in a cup. Let's, let's, yeah, it was protected. Um, but then the cup hitting the, the the sides of your what is that called? It's not the taint because it's on the right and left side. Uh, the raint uh, and the length. I, I don't the right and left. Team. I don't think we need. That's where the ball, where it hit, where the cup hits. I don't think we need an explanation. I think everybody understands. So I mean, it was it was like the most sincere, tender question. <laughs> no pun intended. Do you still hurt from when you got hit today? And I was like, <laughs> Well, it did hurt, but not as bad as I made it seem. You know, I def I wanted to tell him that because. I could tell how concerned he was for me. It was like super cute. It was also honest, it did hurt, but not as bad as I made it seem. And he said, well, why would you make it hurt more than it did? And I said, to be funny. <laughs> and he didn't laugh. He got this puzzled look on his face and he was just kinda like, he could not, he couldn't, could not make sense of it and I said, I did it to make the show funny. Um, and he said, do you know what Bitcoin is? <laughs> and I was like, I was like, I'm not gonna sit here and explain to you what Bitcoin is, it's your bedtime. Like, you, you're not. That I'm was not, the end of the conversation? I'm not gonna fall for, for this trick. Um, uh, and I was like, so do you know what it means? Do you know what Bitcoin is? And um, uh, he said, no, I, just, I was like, do you, he was like, do you know what Bitcoin is? <laughs> I'm like, okay, <laughs> he, I guess he, I am falling for this. He, I'm like, he doubted that I'm you like, knew what Bitcoin and was. I thought for a second, I was like, well, 
No, not really. Well, yeah, I mean, it's it's cryptocurrency. Um, and he was like, oh, so you, you do know what Bitcoin means? And I was like, well, yeah, I, I do. He was like, well, then why on your show did you keep guessing Bitcoin for the answer to the question? And do you remember, and I remembered, yeah. we played a game where we had to fill in the blank on something and he was watching at home, he wasn't there that day. And I kept writing in Bitcoin as the answer. Yeah, I, I don't know what the game was, I remember it. And I remembered that when he asked me why did I, if I knew what Bitcoin was, why would I keep giving it as the answer for other questions? And I was like, to be funny. And You're teaching him comedy? I could, I could see the wheels turning and I could tell, I was like, oh wow, my own son is realizing that his dad is not as stupid as he thought he was. <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. And I was like, if he would have understood this yesterday, he'd have kicked me in the balls this morning. So that's what I should have explained to him. You think he would have? I think so, yeah. Now, so, so for the record, it did hurt. It really hurt. But I also took full advantage of the comedic uh, opportunity presented to me to convey the fact that it was shockingly uh, painful. Uh, Jacob just pointed out that was on. He was in that episode. It was the holiday list. He was episode, there. The kids list. He does watch the show if he's not in it, but he was physically present there, and that's why he remembered the Bitcoin thing, and he'd been puzzling on it for all this time. So yeah, I'm like, dang, you you must think I'm you must think I'm kind of stupid. I'm not. I'm yeah. I'm not as stupid. But then I went out and I went. I tucked him in. I was like, so he went to sleep, and then I went into Lily's room to tell her good night, and I ended up telling her what I just told you, uh, probably in a truncated version. Um, there were no sponsors involved. Hmm. And um, she was laughing and I was like, D I mean, do you think I'm stupid? <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. And I'm like, and I, I mean, I was, I kinda really wanted to know. I was like, well, at what age do my kids like start realizing I'm not stupid? And um, I ended up talking to her and Christy about it and they, it, it, it wasn't an easy answer. Because <laughs> what uh, one of the things they brought up was, well, you know, uh, Dad, remember when we watched that video? Link struggling for seven minutes straight from uh, "You're So Loud." You're so loud, made uh, that I tweeted because I thought it was so funny. Like we're all laughing our heads off, and like I, I think I tweeted that like Christy was like, "Welcome to every day of my life," kind of thing. And I think their their point was that we discussed was that in some ways you might be. <laughs> as stupid as you are on the show. And this, this is coming from the people that love me the most and I guess felt safe enough to tell me. And um, uh, th they knew watching that cut down and living with me, like Christy said, welcome to my life, that it it's not like that all the time, but it's definitely like that some of the times. <laughs> I mean, and I was like, well, I got, I got a little defensive and I was like, well, it's, it's not that I'm stupid, it's just that I, I can suspend my intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> wow, and that's good. I, I think that's what I do. Well, I, I, I you know how you know if you're watching a movie or something, you suspend your disbelief. I suspend my intelligence. I can disconnect the things that would would stop me from saying things that I just say on instinct, 
or wielding sharp objects in a way that no one has business doing. I, I can just turn that off and say, you know what, this, this is the mode that I operate in. Well, I, but I think that stupid is the wrong word for those things, I mean. It's well, if you're gonna come up with a harsher word. No, I, I mean, I think that like, okay, the thing that Christy probably probably deals with is she would probably call you absent-minded. Wait, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I ask her where stuff is that's in my pocket all the time. Uh, right, which is not stupid. I mean, like Einstein was probably absent-minded. The absent-minded professor, it's not yeah. stupid. Um, but then things like the, like when you put the, the cat, I don't remember what happened when you, like you spit, you drink water. I drink You drink cat, cat water through a thing and then you water. Like put your mouth back on the thing. Yeah. Like that. that's not an. I suspended, that, I was at my, intelligence was suspended. That's what you're saying for that? I don't think that that's stupid. I just think that that is like an accident prone. Cautiously impulsive? Yeah, I don't know what the word is, but I just think it's, it is, you are more likely to injure yourself with a knife than I am, but you're not gonna injure. And is, I, have, I have in real life. I mean, have the in real stories life. that I tell. It isn't that, but it isn't true that stories. every not, time, you, it isn't like you, could, you can't actually ever hold a knife. It's just that no, because Link is the one who's more likely to do something with a knife, it's a funny bit that every time he has a sharp object, I'm going to take it from him because that's taking something that isn't untrue but then, which I think is kind of getting to the bigger question that we're asking, is taking something that is based in truth and exaggerating it for, for the sake of comedy. And that is, I mean, incidentally, that's what we do whenever we script something. Like that's what- We even go further. The second season of Buddy System. Yeah, it was like three notches above that. Like it isn't like- In a thought exercise, alternate universe, we don't, we never knew each other kind of way. Right, and it's just like, it was extreme caricatures, right? Your character was an extreme caricature of you in a way that people may not even be able to follow the logic to get to that point, to understand why we ended up, even maybe even more so with my character and like the like weird like hippie stuff and the man bun and all this stuff, but all that kind of came out of, well, I do. I am the one that kind of gets into some new idea or philosophy, and like uh, learns a lot about it and adopts it, and suddenly starts trying to tell you about it and that kind of thing. And so, if I were to do that unhinged, unimpeded, I might eventually get to a place where I was this weird dude who wore all this weird, these weird clothes, and and adopted this weird religion. Ear Biscuits is supported by AC Pro. It's blazing hot outside. You get into your car and turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows out hot air. The issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with an AC Pro. What's your question to my, is Link is stupid in real life as he is on the show. Like I, I elected to to frame it in the in the harsh that harsh way. I'll let you come up with your own, but what's your what's your version of that question? Is Rhett as blank 
in real life as he is on the show. Yeah, I'm probably smart. Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just okay, Let's pivot that. Um, is Rhett as self-absorbed? Um, I don't think that that comes across in the show. I'm not gonna. <laughs> no, it's like, no, it's I, like. I, there, we, it, try again. One, one, I, I don't think that's it. One, but no, but one. Because I don't think that comes across in the show. Well, but I let, do have let, something in let, mind. But let me explain though. Like, uh, like a like a a know it all quality of like being confident and cocky about yeah. being able to do something. Like that's an element of my my character, but it's also an element of who of my personality. It, like that comes from who I am. But no, I am not. I am not that way in my interpersonal inter interactions with normal everyday people. I'm that way when I'm in my comedic element. I, I, I don't think that comes across in the show. I, I think it could come across in real life at times, but that's not what we're talking about. I think it's more of, uh, here's my pitch, is Rhett just as mean, I think that's the criticism. Again, this, is Rhett as mean in real life as he is on the show? Link is stupid and Red is mean. You know, it's like, that's what you're saying that you get the criticism that why are you so mean to Link? You know, it's like. Yeah. Um, I would. And I don't, I, I maybe that's not the right one either. Well, I mean, I, if okay, if we go down that path, I would say that, I would think that no one that knows me, no, I would say that if if people who are my best friends were to list my top 10 negative attributes, I would be willing to bet a significant amount of money that one of those top 10 would not be that I'm mean. I think, that's, I think that that is a, that I'm not, I am not a mean person. Like that's not, I'm actually, right. I'm actually in my estimation, too nice of a person. And we've talked about this before that I'm a, I'm a people pleaser and I'm like, I laugh at people's jokes when they're not funny and I, 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 you know, I try to accommodate people with who are being awkward and stuff like that. Like, that I, so I'm not a, I'm not a mean person, but I think in the context of our characters, and just our, and and also, the context of us as maybe it's just intensity. I mean, because I don't think that mean is, I think you that's a criticism that's leveled against you, but I don't think that's a character trait. That's a misinterpretation of. What we've already, what the comedic bits that we've already talked about, but like an intensity, it's like you know the furrowed brow and the, I mean, and you're not grumpy on the show either, so it's like, maybe you're just stupid too. Just go with that. <laughs> Are you as stupid in real life as I am in the show? <laughs> um, I mean, what's your, what is your estimation of it? Because I haven't, I haven't thought about this specifically. Um, I, th I think a lot about the fact that if people were to just look at the two of us and how we present ourselves on the internet that they would be like Rhett seems Rhett seems like he would I guess mean is 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 not the word that I would use but if let's just go with that Rhett seems like he would be mean link seems like he would be really nice I I yeah and then and but, then and then of course m m my argument is that well that's not true <laughs> I also think here's what I think it is I think you are you are much closer to your true self on the show than I am. I think that there's more of a, 
um, that there's more of a heightened thing with me, with my character on the show. I think that's maybe more of the, that's more my opinion about it. Yeah, I think that. And then when you go against type, But that's I, I funny. think that most of the people who would characterize me as mean on the show would probably characterize me as mean Right, in real that's life. what I'm saying because, because they misinterpret. Because again, just being intense. Being, yeah, it, there are some people who's who who uh, don't respond well to intensity at all. And like me and you, me and you deal with that. Like, right. I, like I, I get passionate and intense about things, and then people who uh, have more sensitive personality types tend to take intensity personally. Yeah. And so like me and you have had to work through that as we discuss things, it's just like. And I, you tend to be more focused on like, the, I'm not, the rightness of something or like the the correctness of something than the, uh, than the it, it's like whether it's right or wrong versus the way it's presented. And it's more like is it, if, is it are we having a philosophical conversation or are we having a personal conversation? Right. Um, and so, and this is not, I'm, Again, this is just part of my personality makeup. This is part of the, the personality makeup that I'm addressing in therapy to one degree because I'm very, very much in my head and spend a lot of time up here thinking about things and then I don't translate those things in, into feelings and they end up kind of coming out sideways in in certain ways. But I think that people, I think, well I'll speak about you first and then I'll speak about myself but I, I think that you harness the you know people people resonate and might be more of a fan of you than me if it, if the ideas and the deliver the ideas resonate more you know it's like i'm not going to give a lot of not not as much of ideas in the way that you are i think that again when the comedy comes mostly from your head it's going to have a certain flavor to it that um i think mine comes from a different place that's why i stopped hosting the episodes uh, the the uh, the fact based episodes because we we find what our how our makeup leads into our comedic strengths so we're able to say in a room you know you know what it would be better if I never hosted another one of those because Rhett you're so much better at it and it's better for me not to know what's happening and with this uh, freewheeling response we're hoping to capture something. Right, and that's a good. That's the best of that we have both of we have both of those things that contribute. And I don't know if I've said this on a podcast before, but I remember that. You know, it kind of felt like it hurt at the moment where I'm like, it was like it. It was. It felt like it was admitting. Yeah, I can't do that. So, I kind of. That's one less thing I can do. I kind of suck at that. You know, it's like I. You know, as as opposed to. And then I had to go through a process of coming to grips with and being secure in the strengths that I did have to offer and and saying this is the perfect way to uh to allow for that. Um well and to and to for both of us I guess to platform you like I said like I first of all once we get going in certain modes like both of us being like reactive and in the moment really works. Yeah, yeah. But. It, it's if, not that I never have ideas and we, it's not that you never have right, hilarious but, reactions. But if we have to push right. ourselves into a corner, 
and say, okay, well, one of you, if we're gonna create a situation and where one person knows what's happening and is operating according to a plan, and one person doesn't know what's happening, who's going to flourish in those? Well, who's Link gonna is going to know about the pill and who's not? Right, and Link is going to be funnier. And again, that's that's kind of why I I thought that that was an example. It's not an example. I know what you're saying. It's not an example of it's not you an playing example. A character. Yeah, we were not choosing. Um, but you're going to be comedic f- side. You are going to. I didn't choose anything. It was a legitimate prank, and I you, fell for it. You are going to the way the things that you're going to say in that moment where you're trying to convince yourself that this thing works, it's gonna be funnier than what I'm gonna say. Like, but I also 10 out of 10 times. I also don't think that the chances of successfully convincing you of that were very low and the chances of convincing me of it were also very high. Right, I, I, there's, if, there, there's, and, a, there's and if, a high chance that in the midst of that, I would be like, this is, you, this is a prank. And so there's two, two, two reasons. Well, I, I think it's ultimately just one reason. I think it's because if I begin to suspect that it's a prank, I'm probably gonna point it out. Even if you did sus- begin to suspect it was a prank, you would suspend your in- intelligence yes. and go with this th- this bit and continue to carry it out, whereas that's just, I don't have that in me. I now, so for the record, I did not do that. Right, You, it, we got you, we <laughs> you really got, got you. And that's when it's funny. I still haven't watched that one back. I would watch that one and it, back. Well, and because it's not as funny when you have to do it intentionally. It's funnier when it's actually, you're being right. authentic. And that would be a hard thing to do anyway. But, um, you know, I, I do feel like oh, but you know people, what? people feel sorry for me and that's the thing that I want, I do want to address. Well, but before we get to that, because I do think this, just to play into the, the question, I knew that it would be funny in the context of the show, but if there wasn't a camera there and I was just like, I'm gonna prank, like I, I do not, we don't prank each other. Like again, this is a little bit, what's on screen and what's in real life. We don't prank, we don't prank each other. We've never pranked each other. Like it isn't in in our our makeup to yeah. be like, I'm gonna take time just for the hell of it to just prank you at work just to see what the reaction is. And a lot of that has to do with the fact that so much of what we do is, is, is a product that people can see and so if we're gonna take the time to do something like that, to engineer something, mm-hmm. well you, you, you can bet that it's going to be online. But it's also just like that's just not that's not our personalities. It's not our personalities to like find some way to like mess with each other like that. And also, if I were to do that, if I were to for some reason decide that I was going to prank you, your reaction to a prank that wasn't being filmed would be like ten percent as entertaining as your reaction to a prank if you were being filmed and you knew it. And it isn't because you're acting; it's just that. When you're on and when the camera's on. I just don't have that much energy. You're in a mode where you're like, I'm reacting, I'm processing things out loud, and that is a recipe for entertainment. And you know Whereas what? Whereas if you're just by yourself, you're just, we're both, we're both rather boring. <laughs> I, I mean, if you, well, were, it, if it, you were to put a hidden camera in our office and just see what happens on a daily basis, the way that we work through creative problems, the conversations that we had, you'd be like, this is, I feel like I'm looking at professor's office hours. Ha, I got you, I got you. I've had a camera in our office 
for like two years. You can release it, it's, it'll be very boring. And it's so boring. I got you, man. You know, the thing is, I, I feel like I've been, I don't know, I've been thinking more about this. Like, um, it's funny, that you do 1500 episodes of a show and you feel like there's nothing you can learn and you're just on an autopilot, but I don't think that's the case at all. I think that these are things that, I remember we used to get in fights, man. Like in Fuquay when we first started doing Chia Lincoln, like we'd be telling stories and we wouldn't like, I wouldn't like a way that you said something or you wouldn't like how I cut you off and didn't let you finish a story or we would just, it, you know, uh, we had so much to learn but there's, the thing that I'm learning now is I'm actually seeing, um, and maybe this plays into people feeling sorry for me because I don't want people to feel sorry for me and say, oh, Link's the butt of the joke or everybody thinks he's stupid or maybe he is stupid and I feel sorry for him. You know, I don't, I don't want any of that because I, I think I've actually, you know, the, the, the game show thing is a good example, but in pretty much every episode, I'm finding out how the more of the tr my true instincts can be harnessed for comedy. And so the more honest I am, it's kinda, I mean, and I think I've been thinking about it more since we talked about the Instagram thing. When you talked about, dude, if you just do what you wanna do on Instagram, like that, you planning out something is, is you're, sh you're short circuiting your own comedic process. Mm -hmm. So dance like nobody's watching. Um, anyway, I actually think that in in the exercise of doing that within the context of GMM and understanding what I'm trying to do that I'm just trying to, um, sus like thinking of it as suspending my intelligence and knowing that like, okay, I'm, I'm not an idiot, I'm actually smart for being able to harness just raw instinct in this way. I actually feel better about it. <laughs> But then a step further, I actually feel like that the show me is kind of a gateway to me introducing some of that back into my real life. Like I've taken as an exercise to just say, you know what, I'm going to, uh, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go on instinct. I'm gonna be experiencing this moment. I'm not gonna overthink it. I'm not going to be so serious or give in to my anxiety or whatever may be the, what is instinctively in my normal life, the, the first concern that would enter my mind, but then saying, you know what, this is what it's like to have fun. You know, I think the exercise of doing the show builds the muscle of being able to let loose a little bit. And then, so in in the way that I play with the kids or hang out with Christy or like when I get home from work and like we're all hanging out in the kitchen and it's like, oh, we're playing music and you know what, I'm just gonna, you know what, let's dance. You know, it's like we funneled so much of, of that energy, you know, to your point of like we're boring in into our work that from a practical standpoint, it's maybe it's, it, that's all drained, I felt like it's all been drained out of me. Hmm. So I don't know, maybe I'm getting a little too, well, I, I, you know, I'm just trying to, I, I'm actually trying to harness that in my everyday life to just become generally stupider. 
Well, I I think but what, you know what I mean. I think what I was saying was that people w- might expect that if if I were to just watch Rhett and Link having a conversation with each other, then it would be hilarious. It would be hilarious <laughs> and as entertaining as an ear biscuit, right? When in reality, it would probably be as entertaining as like the last half hour of this ear biscuit. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Which is it might be you might be like oh this is the good stuff they got very real but you probably didn't laugh a whole lot in the past thirty minutes um, I, I'm just I'm just saying that that's how we kind of talk to each other I'm not nec- like for me for me I I mean I feel like I I feel like I'm well I feel like for me it's not a question of I'm don't have enough personality left over for my family a lot of times it's just an energy. A question or a time question because oh, I got to work on this thing. Even though I'm at home, well, I got to finish this thing, and that's a problem. But that's not a that it's a, that's a different problem. That's like a time management problem. I wasn't directing any of it at you, but I I will I I think that the moments where we just em, embrace the sheer joy of what happens on the show and we heighten it, I think is a skill that I was like, okay, how does this? How does how can this cycle back? Ironically, and the um, the life could imitate art, and I could benefit from it. It was just well, so it was an know, interesting thought well, exercise. Along the same lines, I don't even know if you were in this conversation with some of our close friends. We were talking about like I'm, tr- you know, I'm trying to figure out some things with you know in therapy like we've been talking about with like being able to like understand what my emotions are and deal with feelings and that kind of thing. Um, but I think part of that is like we we have, we, we've got a friend group and there's a very high emotional intelligence in our, in our friend group. Uh, like significantly higher than I have sort of been close to for the majority of my life. Mm-hmm. Not judging you. <laughs> Um, just saying this in terms of yeah. my just like greater friendships or whatever. And they're, I mean, they're all legitimately just intelligent people, but they're also emotionally intelligent. And and what I mean by that is you get into like somebody's going through something or somebody shares something and they just have just a level of insight and perspective that, you know, I'm kind of used to being like, I. I I, I like kind of being the guy who knows things in the room, right? You know that and annoys annoys you, uh, and I understand that. But like, I'll, in a lot of places, I am the guy who knows things in the room, right? I'm not an expert on anything, but I know a lot about a lot of things, and so I tend to um, feel like I've got something to contribute. But a lot of times, with the, with the group that we've gotten really close with, they're so emotionally intelligent that I start to kind of feel like an idiot. And I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know how to comfort this person. I don't know what to say in this situation because that's not how my brain works. I haven't figured that out yet, and so I'm just gonna kind of be quiet. Um, and I've also like done like a second level of analysis. Again, we've hinted at the Enneagram, and we will do an episode about it at some point. Uh, but again, it's the personality. Evaluation where there's nine different personality types. I'm a three on the Enneagram, which means I'm a, a performer, an achiever. And one of the things that the threes do is that if they are not good at something, uh, 
They don't do they don't play the game. And so engaging on an emotional level with somebody is something I'm not good at, so I just don't do it. Because I do the things that I can win at. And that is a and I didn't really really understand that's how my personality worked until I started reading more in depth about the way threes are and it's like if you if they don't have a good chance of winning the game, they do not participate. And they can actually be incredibly successful because they are good at a lot of things and they also only do the things they're good at so you see them and you're like, man, they're good at all the things that they do until you put them in an environment where they have to behave differently. So the way this translates to the difference between me on the show and me in real life is that when I get into those situations where I feel like it's a, it's a more intimate atmosphere, I become the quiet one. Where on the show, there's no opportunity to be the quiet one. Neither one of us is the quiet one. We both could talk a, a hundred miles an hour. We talk over each other constantly because we both want to be the ones to get the last word in. Like I think we, we both suffer from that and that's one of the things that contributes to why we do what we do and we do it well. Um, and so the thing I told, I told our friends when I was talking is like, I actually think that I, my true self is more represented in the context of what I do as an entertainer than it is when I'm just in real life. Like when I am my more, you know, happy-go-lucky, in the moment, reacting, laughing, trying to make people laugh, thing that I do uh, on the show, and even in the context of this, I'm still on a little bit. Yeah. My on is actually Letting something out. A truer connection with who I am. It isn't putting something on. In fact, the mask and the facade is the quiet, reserved Rhett who is afraid to enter into a certain situation for fear of not being able to win that situation because I frame it in the wrong way. That's exactly what I'm talking about. I think within, yeah, within the context of the show, you can have a the you can experience legitimate emotion within a certain a subset of emotions, right? That are like elation, as an example. Well, like, and I think it goes to show discovery, you that, that it surprise un- unbelievably pain and thankfully happiness. We've created an environment on the show where we can be so comfortable because again, this is the thing that we didn't get when we did. Like if you go back and watch the old online nation clips, right? You look at that and you're like, we were not comfortable. Oh no. Right? It, it was the peak of the evidence that there is out there of us not being comfortable in the, in the in an entertainment setting. Yeah. But this show and GMM also represent these environments that we've created and we've been able to completely shape the environment so that we can just be our true selves. So it is ironic that it seems like, oh, you're on and you're acting, but my theory, and I hear you saying the same thing, is that well, actually, that's that's who I am. And when I go out and I navigate the real world, I turn that. It isn't that I turn it on when I'm on the show; it's that I turn it off when I'm in real life. Yeah, and I don't want to, you know, I do want to bring this full circle, but I don't want this to seem like like a like a mini intervention. But I think, yeah, I I think that we've, I my. I, I think my question to the to the listener or to the to the mythical beast watching GMM who complains about things that maybe they're just missing the comedy or they're they're misinterpreting a comedic choice as an honest moment and then being disappointed and then being critical of it. 
I'm asking them to expand the way they view our performance in the show to to not shift but to include those things. I think that's what I'm asking of them um, and I know that it frustrates you a little more than it does to me because it kind of, as we've discussed, it goes to you. But I think the, for you, maybe there's an opportunity to see, you know, I think you just described the beauty of what the show, the opportunity it gives you as a, as a person and me as a person to like experience things that can then inspire who we are in our normal lives. And those are the things that people, if they latch, th those true moments, if they latch onto them so hard and make them so precious that they can't take the, the other comedic bits, you know, it's like you can't fault them for it because it's also a very, it's kind of the heart and soul of our show. Because so we've, like, cre we've created an environment where we're, we're authentic and right. so then to get upset with them for being, for doing a character or doing a bit and having a problem with it is, yeah. Yeah, I, so I, it's kind of a meeting in the I middle. I just wanna have my taking cake it, and eat it too. Yeah, taking it, taking that criticism as an, and you can invert it as a compliment that like the thing that attracts them to the show is the heart and soul of the show and it's the true, it's our true selves coming through and they can't even take it when we make a choice that deviates from it. So yeah, I, I think maybe that'll just help, <laughs> just help you process it. Well, I, and also we talked about this a little bit is I think that um, unfortunately the people who have an issue with these types of things are also for whatever reason, the personality profile is they're more likely to engage online. And so the people who might actually appreciate like. And I think ultimately we're, we're different people and I think better people because of, of fielding that. You know, as painful or frustrating as it may be sometimes too, so I'll even go that far. You need to be thankful for it. I don't disagree with that. I'm just saying that one of the things that makes it difficult is that I know that there are people out there who appreciate but but you're gonna more like you're more likely to get a comment about something that they don't like than that they do they do like, like we get so sure. many like when we when we meet fans in um, meet and greet lines, at shows, I'm just I'm always surprised with how many people have Cotton Candy Randy T-shirts on and say I love Cotton Candy Randy, and I'm like well what the heck why don't you say something on the internet about it, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like <laughs> uh, uh, and so. Well, do you want to comment or do you want to buy a shirt? Well, well, how about both? No, but you're right. I and again, I don't. I also don't want to make it seem like. I mean, I'm talking about these things because you ask these questions. So, and I talked about it the other day because it was in the context of the conversation that we were having. I don't spend a significant portion of my time, like not even a. I don't even spend an insignificant portion of my time. Like I spend barely any time thinking about this particular thing and being frustrated about it. I spend. Yeah, we, we didn't talk about it after that moment. Yeah, I, I spend the vast majority of my time just trying to come up with something to entertain. A and that that's pretty much, probably to a fault, that's what that's what I do with almost all of my time. So I don't, I don't I'm, I'm not sitting around stewing about any of this stuff, it's just, if you bring it up and make me start talking about it, I get a little frustrated about it. But I don't like sit around frustrated on a regular basis about it. So I don't want anybody to think that. So no need to apologize to me if you've said things and you're like, oh, I feel bad. I, I said I told Rhett he was mean. I need to apologize to him. I don't need your apologies. So I'm and I'm and I'm gonna be okay. 
All right, guys, thank you for hanging out with us and allowing us to psychoanalyze ourselves and each other. Let us know, hashtag Ear Biscuits. Whatever you wanna let us know. Weigh in on the conversation, uh, we appreciate that. Tell people about this podcast so they can listen to it how would you, How would you describe it? Let uh, us know, hashtag Ear Biscuits. Describe it to a friend and then tell us how you described it and tell us what they said about it. Well that's good, that's good. Speak at you next week. <laughs>